everybody, welcome to the New Dad City Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin P. The lead up to that moment is a whirlwind of emotions. You're nervous, you're excited, so get comfortable, grab yourself a notepad if you want to take some notes. You know, it's just, it's going to be completely unexpected. Do you feel like having kids stopped, like your big plans, like why can't they be part of your dreams? This intense connection can sometimes make dads feel on the sidelines. Welcome back, everybody, to New Dad City podcast episode number 39. Holy cow. I did not think that it would get this far, but here we are, aren't we? I am super excited to bring this episode to the very first person who commented on one of my Instagram posts. Mr. Ryan, this podcast episode is for you, buddy. So, my man Ryan commented on one of the videos and said, basically said, hey man, you know, thanks for what you do kind of thing. And I was like, oh crap, someone is commenting on one of the videos. Let me engage. So, he kind of told me a little bit about what's going on with him, and he is expecting his first kid with his... um wife I think let me go ahead and look I don't want to give false information let me see um he did not specify so I will take that back I'm sorry Ryan but either way I'm still dedicating this podcast to you so 13 weeks that is where he is at in his pregnancy so What can I do for my man? Well, I have a six-month-old. I talk about him all the time. I talk about stuff. And my dude, when I asked him, I said, Hey, what do you want? What do you like to hear? And he basically said, I like to hear the episodes where you tell your story the most. So, um, let's go ahead and start some first-hand experience. So I went on ChatGPT and I just basically said, what are some questions an expecting father might have during pregnancy, a father that doesn't have any children, and to start basically from zero with nothing, no knowledge. Not saying that my dude Ryan doesn't have any knowledge, (laughs) so no insult to his intelligence, but it gave me 10 good questions that I'm going to answer from my personal experience. I've probably already touched on them, but I mean, regurgitating and restating information just helps it get through your head and helps you instill this information from firsthand experience. So let's just go ahead and jump right in with question number one. What can I do to support my partner during pregnancy? Well, this question right here is like an onion. There are so many layers that you can pull back. I every pregnancy is different, but the same at the same, you know, the same at the same time, if that makes sense. Because they're all women gaining weight, they're getting big, they're carrying a child inside them. Um, a lot of moms that have heartburn, a lot of pregnant women that have heartburn is watch out your kids going to come out with a full head of hair. 
it was wild to see an Axel come out. And the, the moment that he came out, he was born completely out of Erica. Heartburn, boom, stopped, gone. It was wild. So what can I do to support my partner during pregnancy? What I, There was so much stuff. It Basically, all I did was, hey, baby, what can I do for you? And just, that's all I did. I didn't try to, you know, in the beginning, I tried to fix everything with what I thought would work, but and that didn't work. <laughs> the best thing I could do was just say, hey, what do you need? And then I went and got it. I mean, that was a lot of Five Guys runs. That was a lot of Burger King runs. That was a lot of Freddy's Smash Burger runs. It was, you know, most of the stuff when I said, hey, what do you need? It was food related. And surprisingly, what was funny about that when I was supporting Erica through the pregnancy and getting her food and doing her runs to the store, the gas station, whatever, what have you, I didn't gain that dad weight during pregnancy. I gained it afterwards because like I had this routine worked out where I was like, I'm not going to get big. I'm not going to get, <laughs> I'm not going to gain the weight. I'm going to be you know, still like this gym dad. And I did it. I followed my diet, my macros to a freaking T. The moment Axel came out and I went on my maternity leave that work grants us, I just ate like complete dog shit. It was horrible, man. Like I was, oh my God. And now I'm just finally, you know, a, a week or two in, not a week or two in, but like getting back into like a really steady routine of lifting because now I'm, you know, after going to therapy and the, my therapist talking about the, the need to statements versus the, I would like to statements. It's really helped out a lot and I'm getting back into it. Um, but, uh, more things that you can do to support them. Uh, Erica showed interest in the, the pregnancy pillows. They look like giant U's or horse shapes. They're super annoying and they get in the way, but at different points of the pregnancy, when they become uncomfortable, they can help. I know that it helped Erica out until she got, you know, to a point where she was too big, I guess, where it didn't, <laughs> I don't know how else to explain that. Um, taking her, driving her everywhere. That was a big one. And uh, rubbing lotion. Uh, we bought this kit, and I've mentioned it before. It's a skincare kit, and it had, like, coconut oil, I think, in it, shea butter. It had, like, different, like, put this on first and then finish with this cream and stuff like that. And I really think it worked. And Erica took really good care of her skin anyway with, um, with like, I think oatmeal baths and lotions that she put on herself. And she walked away with maybe one stretch mark and she's five, three, five, four on a good day. And she went from like 85, 90, 95 pounds when I first met her. Like she's real, real thin, real skinny, real petite. And she blew up to like 150, 160. So it was like, <laughs> she, she needed all the treatment she could get. And that, again, that's why we think Axel came early. Is because you know my little old wife ran out of room. Um, the uh, I guess you could do your own research on pregnancy symptoms and run them by your girlfriend or fiance, wife, who, who whoever this your significant other is to you, and even just showing that 
you're doing this research and just showing that you're involved in the pregnancy meant wonders in supporting Erica because you hear a bunch of, like we've mentioned it before, deadbeat dads who just don't give a shit. And I think most guys want to be involved in their, the, the life of their kid and during the pregnancy and stuff as difficult as it can be. So I, I did a lot of research on like the different stages, like what happens during the first month, the second month, and then, you know, br- breaking it to, uh, up into the trimesters. And Erica had this app that tracked all the, like the baby growth and stuff. And whenever she brought it out, I was right there looking at, at it with her. Um, and uh, what goes in hand in hand with driving is the prenatal appointments. If you can be there, like if work allows it, be there. I cannot stress enough how much you should be there. I think I missed like one appointment and it was just a, they basically checked her blood pressure and, oh yeah, your measurements are fine. And that's the only one I missed. I still felt terrible for it, but Erica like insisted like, hey, you don't have to come like, cause it was between that and like accepting an overtime shift and overtime shift is one and a half normal salary. So I took that and she was okay with it. Um, but I made sure I ran it by her first. So I think that sums up question one. Um, question two, how do I prepare financially for a baby? So it, I have an episode out. It released yesterday on November 15th. It's a budgeting spreadsheet video. You can find it on the New Dad City YouTube channel. Uh, youtube.com backslash at new dad city make sure you put that at symbol in there or just search new dad city you'll probably find it and i also have the video podcast uploading to spotify i don't know if apple does video podcasts i need to check that out after it uploads because as i'm recording this the episode is uploading so I'm, I'm very ignorant to, to Apple podcasts. I know that they do audio, you know, I have an iPhone and everything, but I've never come across a video podcast. So that one's up there. I'm going to eventually finish that spreadsheet and put it as a link in my link tree on my Instagram. So you guys can have it. It's, um, it's, uh, it, it's pretty simple. It's straightforward. You cannot fuck it up. Uh, another thing about budgeting, I have an episode out. Let me go ahead and look at that actual episode. I think it was two or three days ago. And that would be episode 36. It was published on the 13th. So what was that? Monday? Yeah, so Monday the 13th, episode 36. And that one's called Smart Budgeting for New Dads, Saving Money Without Cutting Corners. I'm not going to go into that one. Just go ahead and check it out for yourself. Um. Uh, Preparing financially, you know, understanding health insurance, and I've already mentioned parental leave. If you get it, take it and use it. You don't get that time back. Being there as your kid first comes out and is growing, you know, those first days and weeks is just, it's something that I cannot explain, except you just have to be there and do it yourself. Uh, Health insurance-wise, at least for me, I knew that I could contact my insurance and they gave me a form to fill out to add my son to it. And it was really simple. 
granted, I had to go through my work to do it. Like they redirected me to my work. So maybe you have to do that yourself. But make sure that you do not wait. Do not wait to do that. As soon as your baby pops out and you get that social security number, get them on there. Because I know that the we were getting bills. And of course, the pediatricians told us, like, hey, don't pay them yet. Wait till he gets on your insurance. Because it took my work like four fucking weeks to get the paperwork through. Like, I had to call them every week to be like, hey, stop dragging your feet. Where is it? So just make sure you're on top of that when you're when you're getting your insurance set up. Uh, moving on, uh, question three. What should I expect during labor and delivery? I mean, this is a doozy. Um, I had no idea either what to expect. I just knew that like, when shit hit the fan, it was hitting it hard. And so I, I told this in, in my story. It was in... Um, Episode 32, Our Story So Far, Part 1, The First Date Will You, I Do, and Pregnancy. And I talked about that one, just to recap that. So, we, Erica's water, she wasn't fully broken at the house. Like, she stood up and there was water on the couch, like the blanket she was laying on. I was like, no, fuck that. We are going to the hospital. I'm not listening to you. You just shut up and get in the car. We're going. Call your guy. No, tell him we're on the way. And, you know, lo and behold, it was her water leaking. She had a slight tear. And it's a it's a long process for some people. Like, I know people that their wives are in labor for days. Erica was, we checked in the hospital around noon, and he was born at 5.55 the next morning. Like, she didn't go into full active pushing labor until, I think, quarter after 4 or 4.30. So she wasn't in, like, active, active labor only for maybe like an hour and a half ish, you know, I mean, it still sucks, but I think I looked at it like, Hey, look at it like this. Like, thank God you weren't struggling for days. Uh, the only other thing is like, since he was early, he had the jaundice issue. So we, we were stuck in the NICU for seven days. Um, but I guess like the big thing about this one is like, I, what was I supposed to do during the pregnancy? And I was like, I had no idea. Like anything you look online, it's just like, oh, be supportive. Talk to your wife. Like, it's like, no, 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 no. Like it's, it's, it's not that easy. Like, I, you know, I was sitting there coaching Erica cause I was on her left side holding her left leg while the other, the RN was on the other side holding her other leg and kind of like, okay, you can do it. Push and give me another one. And Erica the whole time was just like, shut the fuck up. Don't talk to me. I was like, okay. So I just sat there in silence during the whole labor. You know, I was talking to myself and, you know, she was in her zone. You know, she probably, she said she doesn't remember any of it because she was just so zoned out or zoned in, however you want to look at it. But the the same support that you offer during the pregnancy is the same support you're going to offer during labor. Um, I wasn't one of those guys that sat back and waited for the nurses to come in when she rang the little buzzer. I was, I walked right out to the desk and was like, hey, my wife needs you. She wants food. She's thirsty. Can you come in? And I felt that that was quicker than ringing the buzzer. Um, that's just my experience with it. I, I just didn't take any shit. You know, my wife is, you know, she already had a rough pregnancy. I'm not going to have her experience a rough labor process. And uh, what to, oh, 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 packing a bag. So everything I read and it just held up pretty well. 
So a lot of things that I read said, pack your bags at 32 weeks. Like just have your hospital bags ready to go at 32 weeks. So I packed, you know, a couple pairs of boxers, socks, like, like you're going away for the weekend type thing. I didn't pack anything nice. You know, I had sweatpants in there, you know, gym shorts and just t-shirts. I, you know, I had a hoodie cause you know, hospitals are cold and I, I wore, I had my slip on vans. Like, just make sure you're comfortable, pack comfortable stuff, bring a pillow, your own pillow. And, um, excuse me, I just sneezed for a second. I thought I did at least. Um, and toiletries, I just went to target and we bought, we bought small toiletries, deodorant, toothbrush, like just anything travel. But, um, you know, we didn't expect to be in the NICU, so we had to go out and do another run because that, you know, ugh, the hospital soap, ugh, and it smells like old people and <laughs> old people and death. I don't know why. That's what just came to my mind when I was using it. And I was like, no, 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 we're not doing this. Like, we're getting some Garnier Fructis and some Old Spice up in this ma. And <laughs> I went and got that loofahs and everything. I decked that motherfucker out. Um, and uh, I think that's pretty much it. Like, you're going to encounter some stuff that that you're like, oh, my God, what do I do here? Like, I have no idea what I should be doing. And you just kind of, like every other dad, you learn. You kind of just... You kind of just do it. Um, so, that, I mean, that's all I got for that one. Uh, this one's kind of uh, the chat GPT, you know, like I said, give me the questions. Um, how do I set up a safe and welcoming nursery? Nursery items, like sleep environment, stuff like that. I touched on this in the sleep deprivation hack guide. So if you want an answer to this question, all of it's answered in that book. It's free. Just... um you can go to my Instagram and it's in the link tree or it's in the separate link listed in there in the, in the bio or, you know, here's the website. You can go to newdad.city backslash sleep hack guide, all one word, and just go ahead and drop your email in there and it boom, right to your email and you'll have a download link. You can bring it up on a PDF, like right in Google or whatever your browser of choice is. Question number five, what are the basics of newborn care? You know, this one I thought of diapers, feeding, bathing, understanding sleep patterns and stuff. And this just, you can read all the information you want and you can listen to all the new dad city podcasts you want, but you're just going to find out your own methods. Most diapers that we used, and I think all of them have it now, they have a blue line indicator when they're wet. So it's not like you got to figure out when they peed. So, you know, thank God for that. Um, so diaper is easy. Changing a diaper is a lot easier than you think it's going to be because it's like, oh my God, how do I put a diaper on? All right. You literally undo the straps, take the diaper off, wipe them down with a baby wipe, slide it underneath their back and strap it on. You'll know when it's on too tight and you'll know when it's on too loose. The only recommend recommendation that I have is make sure the back of the diaper is slightly higher than the front of the diaper. So if you strap the diaper on and you're looking at your baby, make sure that like flap in the back, it's up higher. And it, like the, if you drew a line from the top of the back of the diaper, when it's strapped on down to the front, it's at a slight angle downward. And that way it prevents it from, cause you'll notice when you put like pants on them and stuff, it'll kind of pull it down and it just kind of prevents it from sliding down their butt and like kind of leaking and stuff like that. 
uh, feeding and bathing. Um, a lot of the you'll have in in the uh, room after. So you'll so your wife will give birth, and then they'll transfer you to uh, another room where you can you know your wife gets rest, you get rest, and that's where you start parenting essentially. And uh, you can look for baby cues. Um, I can't remember if Axel started any cues when he was first born, but simple ones are clenched fists. I mean, they're hungry. When they relax their hands, it means they're full. Uh, smacking lips, sticking their tongue out, you know, crying. You'll learn the different cries for your baby when it's hungry or fussy or just complaining. You know, Axel does a lot of complaining now, and he, he's trying to trick us into picking him up, and then immediately smiles. It's like, uh-huh, you got us. We're suckers little shit <laughs> he's learning quick man but um enough about it let's get back to the newborn stuff um the uh so so your kid very early on is just going to do nothing but sleep eat and shit and that's all so don't don't you're gonna feel like what the what do i do like what do i do with this new toy that's what it feels like it feels like a toy you can't play with and uh you know, you can look up all the feeding charts and stuff like that. They're pretty good if you find like a reliable website. Look for like your .gov websites or look for your .edu websites because those are going to be the ones from like universities and hospitals and stuff like that. So look for those when you're looking at, um, I know that in the beginning he barely took like an ounce of formula. And by the way, ask the doc, just ask the hospital for all the formula. Like, you're not going to bring out all that. They're going to give that to you unless you are like breastfeeding. They'll bring you a pump and everything and you'll be able to store it and feed right away and stuff like that. Like the hospital gives you fucking everything. And when you leave, you will take everything. You, your insurance is paying for it and that is yours. So all the formula, all the swaddles, all the diapers, we just, we stuffed it into a bag. And nobody cares. Nobody says anything. You're technically paying for it. So ransack that fucking place. <laughs> um, oof, this next question, number six, how can I be an effective parent? This is, this is a big, this is a deep one. This is deeper than how do I support my partner during pregnancy? Like, um, phew, I wasn't prepared for this one, honestly. Uh, so from my viewpoint, my personal parenting point of view being an effective parent is just being there for your kid being present being in the moment and that's it like seriously if you can master being in the moment and just being there for your kid you will be the most successful father you've ever heard of or ever seen because if you're there in the moment and not on your phone and you're you're taking in all these moments of just all this stuff you've never experienced like it's essentially you're taking all this love all this joy and just watching them, even when they're sleeping, I, I just caught myself just zoning out, staring at his face. I would trace his eyes, like every single line on his forehead. You know, he would let him hold my finger with his tiny little hand. Like it is amazing how tiny they are. You do not know or think you cannot think unless you've like held a newborn infant, like brand new. It is amazing how tiny they are. And at the same time, they're not fragile, which is super weird. Like you can, it's like getting them in their clothes and stuff like, yeah, you can bend their arm up and like, go ahead and put it in here. Like, you know, don't be rough with them, but like, they're really resilient. Um, the, uh, I'm 
trying to think what else, like infant cues. I've already mentioned that with the learning their cries and stuff like that. And um, now besides being pregnant, the big thing, and I've talked about this before, is the you're going to be really fucked up emotionally. Um, and I, I'm not saying that to discourage you. I'm saying it to be honest. Like, I, I think I even caught some of that postpartum, like, depression. Like, I was never depressed, but you're just in a funk. And I think it's just because you're so exhausted. Like, you don't get any sleep for, like, the first week. And depending on how, like, your child sleeps in the second, like, and, you're in, if you don't develop a schedule with, um, with your wife, partner, whomever, like, you're just going to make it worse on yourself. So right from the get-go, Eric and I, like, developed a, a schedule, like, okay, you can get up with him tonight, I'll get up with him tomorrow, and we just traded off on who did what so the other could sleep. Like, me, during paternity leave, I wanted to go to bed early, and I don't mind waking up. So when he would get up in the morning, I would just stay up with him, and Erica would get up around like 11 or 12. But the reason was is she stayed up late because her anxiety took over. Like, you know, she had to watch him uh, all the time to make sure he was breathing. Like we had a, a little breathing monitor. It was like a little clip you put on their diaper and it went doot, 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 whenever like they took a breath in. And I mean, we eventually got rid of it after she built some confidence up, but there was a lot Ugh, just in here rubbing my beard thinking about it. A lot of miscommunication. I think it, I would have been a more effective parent if I would have sat down and put myself in her shoes more. Like, yeah, we still get into arguments today, but it's nothing that we don't solve with, within the day. Um, and, and that's just because we don't, our, our communication is finally coming back around like full circle. Because you just lose all sense of who you are and they do too. And it's like, you you get this sudden realization that you're like, my life is completely different and there's no going back. And and that sounds terrible, but it's true. And a lot of people don't talk about these things because they're afraid of being judged. I'm not, because it's how I felt and it was my experience. It's fact. I experienced it. And there were times where it's like, I don't know if I can be a good parent. Like, I'm not cut out for this. There's days where I just couldn't tolerate hearing him scream. I couldn't hear, tolerate hearing him just make any noise. I was like, if you don't shut up, I'm going to fucking run away. And there's days where like when he goes through his leaps where he's like in his fussy stage in his leaps where his brain's developing, I'm just like, dude. And like, to be completely honest with you guys, like I'll sit there and look at him and just go, can you shut the fuck up? And I mean, I feel terrible saying it in the moment. You know, I really do, and I feel terrible saying it now, but, like, I, my whole goal is to be transparent with my personal stories with you guys. And, ugh, there's a, there, are, there, there are times where you think that you cannot be a dad, but then it's the same exact time that you, you have to say it out loud and say it in front of your partner, your wife, whomever, and just be like, I feel terrible right now. I don't know... I, I feel right now like I don't know if I'm going to be a good dad. And every single time that I've said that, Erica has come to the rescue with reassurance. And it's like, yes, you are. Do you not see what you're doing right now? Like, you are here for your kid always. Whenever he needs you, you're there. I mean, it, we, and 
you know, she'll continue on like, you know, we're first time parents. We we're winging this as we go. We can do all the research we want, but nothing prepares you for when it's shit actually happens. And it's true. And I give her the same advice. It's like we, we bounce off of one another. And, you know, I think boiling down this question of what, you know, how can you be an effective parent? It's, you know, be mindful of the situation you're in and be present, learn effective communication and don't afraid to ask for help. Don't, and don't afraid, be afraid to quote fail. I've talked about this with Eric on the other episodes. Like there's no such thing as failure. It's all learning experiences. Every failure that you have, you should reflect on and take away from it. Like I'm trying to think of one with Axel, like with his sleeping or no, no, no. You know, one even better one is his feeding. We moved up to the level two nipples when he turned three months old, immediately the day he turned three months old. But when we gave it to him, he couldn't handle the flow. So we went back and it's like, like, he's supposed to be on that. Like, are we doing something wrong? And I felt like a fucking idiot because it's like, I'm not feeding my child properly. So like we have to go back to a, a, a slower nipple because I can't do it correctly. And it's like, no dude, like you're beating yourself up. Like you talk to the pediatrician. The pediatrician was like, yeah, you don't have to jump right away. Like give it another month. And you know, today we switched to a faster flow nipple. And guess what? He did fine. So it's like you look back on it and you kind of laugh at yourself, but also kick yourself in the ass for thinking negatively. And I, you know, I do it all the time (laughs) and I'm sure I'll do it as he grows up from his toddler stage to a preteen teen to adult. And even when he's in my age, I'm going to not know how to handle something and look back and be like, you dummy, you did just fine. So, uh, moving on, let's, let's go ahead to the next question. Uh, number seven. How will our relationship change after the baby arrives? I kind of just talked about this, but don't expect any romance. Don't expect intimacy. What you can expect is don't touch me. Don't get away from me. Can you do this? Can you do that? And it's a lot of you. A lot of resentment comes up. A lot of it and a lot of contempt and a lot of arguing but it doesn't have to be that way. The advice I gave in the effective parent question just, you know, five minutes ago, a lot of the relationship changes could have been one prevented or two, mm, trying to think of the word, could have been, the the fire could have been put out a lot quicker if we would have just communicated. Yeah, there's, there's things that you can't control, like like you have to wait like six to eight weeks after the baby is born for the wife's downstairs to be completely healed before you get intimate again, and I'll leave it at that. Every adult knows what I'm talking about, but uh, I don't know, like there were times where her and I argued over the dumbest shit, and it was like just... It was just bickering of like, I know more than you. I know better than you. I read this. Or it was like, I saw this in a mom group on Facebook. And it's just like, shut up. I don't want to hear about it. This is how we're going to do it. And sometimes both of you just have to put your foot down. And it's not about proving, you know, the other person wrong or being able to point your finger and go, ha, I told you so. It's not really about that. It's about 
seeing what the other person is doing ineffectively. If you see that your the person your your spouse is doing something ineffectively, and you know that they're doing something ineffectively, it's how you present it to them, so you both can be better parents to your child. Now, with my wife, sometimes she needs to be just told directly, like, we're not doing that bullshit. And then sometimes she has to come at me and go, hey, we're not doing that bullshit. And it's like, you know, the biggest thing you can do is admit that you were wrong and say that, hey, okay, let's compromise or you were right, I was wrong and let's move on. Show me what you want to do. And honestly, squashing it right away or, you know, a couple hours, it means so much in the long run because that's something you're not holding inside of you and you're not developing into anger, which leads to resentment. And I have dealt with so many resentments in my life when I was drinking heavily, when I was alcoholic or actively alcoholic that I had to fix and let go. And I'm telling you, learning how to do that and taking a quick and simple inventory in your head of, you know, I've spoke about this before, but let's recap on it. Why do I think this person hurt me? Or you can list like the person, place, or thing that hurt you. How did they hurt me? Or what did I think they do? did they do to me? Three, where did they hurt me? Did they hurt my ego, pocketbook, friends, you know, social status, something like that? And then how did I retaliate? And most of the time, like actually 100% of the time, you play the role in everything that happens to you, whether you believe it or not. So if you can take like a quick mental inventory and just go, okay, why am I upset right now? Most of it's going to boil down to ego. And what it boiled down to with me is that I just wanted to be a good dad. You know, I wanted to, you know, it's exhausting, but you know, I, I didn't want to be a shitty dad like my father was. And I've explained that before. Like my father just up and left, like, you know, after he cheated on my mom, he just dipped and we didn't see him after a few years cause we didn't want to cause he just was, he was a terrible dad like to us. But you know, I, I saw what like a good dad was in my dad now, Mike and I was like, okay, if I can be like half of what he was with my little brother, then like I know I'm doing a good job because I don't remember my dad having the maternity leave that I had. You know, I don't remember him being there in the mornings because he had to get up at 4 a.m. to go work a 12-hour day, five days, six days a week. You know, he did what he had to and people still looked at him and was like, yo, you're a good dad. So with just looking at it like that and not to like, compare and contrast like what a good dad is to like my own my own dad or other people but like, i mean like that's the guideline that i would have to go off of because you know that was my father figure you know a positive one and it was like i said i don't want to compare and contrast but like if i can say that i was around if i'm around more than he was able to be with my little brother, then I know that I'm doing something right. You know, I I hope this, I hope like you get, you guys get what I'm trying to say, but, um, trying to think of anything else with relationships. Sometimes you might feel like your wife is just a roommate. It's just like, you're just in the motions. You're just doing things to freaking do them. And, And that's okay. 
developing a, a like a task list or a to-do list or like, hey, you're, can you do these chores? I'll do these other ones. Like, you know, we do that and that's effective. Um, the first few weeks, maybe even a month until like your wife is fully healed and can get up and walk around without assistance, you know, you're going to be doing a lot. You're going to be doing every single thing from preparing meals to bottles to changing diapers. You're going to be doing a lot of it if you're, if your wife is incapable of getting up and moving and that's fine. That's part of being a dad. So if you were, you know, not looking forward to doing that tough titty, suck it the fuck up and do it. But we'll go ahead and move on. I don't really think I can think of anything other, you know, things that happened to me that I can talk to about relationship stuff. It's just communication, man. Just talk, just open up and, you know, don't be scared of how you're feeling. If you need a break, say it like, Hey, just, can you take him for five minutes? I got to take a walk outside. I need some fresh air. I need a breather. Like, I feel like I'm going to snap. Like do it. That's, that is healthy as fuck to say that. Um, question eight, you know, what's the best way to balance work and fatherhood? Like this is, this is a deep, deep, heavy question for me because like I've mentioned numerous times, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse with telling you guys about it. You know, I was, I'm doing a 90 minute commute one way to work until December 31st when, you know, my commute's now 20 to 25 minutes or it will be. And it's like, you know, one of the things is I loved working overtime. And if Axel wasn't here and I still do the 90 minute drive, I would still take overtime shifts. But I thought of like, what is more important? Is money important? Do I need that extra money? Or are we okay with the paychecks that I got coming in? Yeah, the extra money would be awesome, but I value family more than taking that overtime shift. So I went to my supervisor and said, hey, I want to be put on the no list for overtime. And the only time they really get you is if you're at work and someone calls out and then they're like, hey, I got to hold you. Hold you for a couple hours. Like nobody else is here to do it. And it's like, okay, fine. But like... I mean, that's one thing I had to give up, but am I really giving up anything? Am I sacrificing anything? Not really. What I would be sacrificing if I kept doing the overtime was time with my family, time with my, my boy, you know, where's dad at, you know, when he gets older? Oh, sorry. He, he's at work. I mean, when they get older, I guess they'll understand a little bit more, but like, I, you know, this is my first and only kid and I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there for my wife. So it's like, yeah, I'm obligated to be at work, but at the same time, I'm not scared to put in sick leave to take my wife to an appointment. I'm not scared to take sick leave to be at my kids' appointments. I'm not scared to tell them, no, I don't want overtime anymore. Put me on that no list because there's plenty of people who want it. You know, you're not sacrificing anything. And in the same token, you're just a number. You're just a barcode. They can replace you just as easily as you know anything else you are just a number to them you are a nine to five they couldn't give two shits but that's that's pretty much what i came to with work balance life you know i don't consider the podcast and the new dad city and the empowered home front stuff really work i mean i put in the work but it's something i enjoy so i don't like go Oh man, I, you know, I can't, you know, I can't 
you know, spend time with Axel. I got to sit on the computer for five hours today because what's nice is he has a play area right behind me and I'll put his videos on the one screen and I'm working on the other. So it's like, you know, am I really, you know? So that's how I, that's how I balance that. You know, the paternity leave, I, like I said, I made sure I took that. It was offered and obviously I took it. That was a nice long break. Uh, not to boast or brag, but the, but federal workers get 12 weeks, military members get 12 weeks. And then I think that was passed, um, back in 2019 or early 2020, I think. But either way, federal workers get 12 weeks and you're, you bet your fucking ass I took all of it. Uh, question number nine, how can I ensure my baby's health and safety? I, you know what? I'm not even going to comment on this. Do what your pediatrician says. Find a good pediatrician and, and follow them. Don't cherry pick what they tell you to do. Either follow it or don't. Or find a new pediatrician. I've had to tell my wife that numerous times. I hate rubbing things in her face. So if there is a th question that she has or a statement and I know the answer to it, I'll mention it. And then when we get to the doctor's office, I'll bring it up. And then he can answer it. And then she feels more comfortable hearing it from a doctor than me, I guess, which is okay. You know, that's what we pay him to do. And if you feel comfortable hearing it from a doctor, then so be it. My pride doesn't care. Um, and then uh, lastly, number 10, this is a question that, you know, I want you guys to answer. And uh, Ryan, I'm sure you've asked, you this, asked yourself this numerous times. Um, but to all the dads out there, question number 10 is what kind of father do I want to be? And that's a deep, deep question. And I'm going to end the podcast there so you guys can go ahead and think about that. Write it down. Keep, keep it somewhere in a note so you can go back and reflect on it and adjust it. Because your, your view and your ideal of what kind of father you want to be will evolve and it will change. Trust me. Keep on dadding, fellas.